Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode 31. My name is Kyle Verstag, and I'm here with Jim Noka. Hey, how you doing, guys? All right. So We're all up today. Beautiful spring day here. Yeah, Yesterday was, we had almost 50 degrees. I was so excited. It wasn't even funny. Today it's like 45. We hit but almost still, 60. You're hitting 60 today? No, yesterday we, we almost hit 60. It was like wow. 59 or whatever. Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty freaking awesome. There's like a lake in the park across from my uh, house here. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, we've got that all over the place. I mean, we've got puddles all over the place, and I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready. I mean, I, I do like winter, but this winter's been rough. It's been I'm, a hard one. Yep, and it's been uh, it's been not an easy. It's not been a real easy winter. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, so last night, my wife told me I was banned from talking about this subject. Oh. But for for eight seconds, I'm going to say that we went to a concert last night, and we saw a trained singer sing. He was he's an actual um, phenomenal. He was the longest running Phantom in Phantom of the Opera, hmm. and uh, his name is Frank D. Ambrosia. They actually played in uh, the Godfather Three. Oh yeah, he was the he was the opera singing son. So, okay, um, but that was two hours of listening to somebody who really knew how to sing. Yeah, it's it's refreshing, isn't it? <laughs> yep, yep. It was very 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 good. Did they have and, a good uh, band behind them, or was it just like karaoke? One Stan, one Steinway piano. Wow. Yeah. So that he was, was giving. He was wow. basically giving a recital. Yes, exactly, that's, and it was set up. It was kind of comical too because we sat down and and um, it was actually a full house. It's a it's the arts council up here. You know, we don't have a lot of access to um, big plays. You know, a lot of cultural things. So what happens is a lot of, but we we still have a lot of people up here that really love that stuff, mm-hmm. and they get together and they, you know, they bring these guys up here. Mm-hmm. And they make, you know, do special concerts all the time. And so we're real lucky when it comes to that because when we go to these, the, the venues are always very small mm-hmm. and very um, uh, um, intimate. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you go, you, you know, there was probably a couple hundred people in this in this concert mm-hmm. listening to him sing. It was phenomenal. And um, I guess the night before, we, we kind of missed this one, but he was staying at the... Uh, a Perry Hotel in in Petoskey, and he did like an impromptu concert in there. It's it's the Perry Hotel is, is is an old school resort style hotel. It has a big grand uh, um, lobby area mm-hmm. that has a piano in it, and and they actually have a little bar in the corner, and it's pretty cool. And he, I guess, he actually did a concert Sunday night there. This is kind of an impromptu. You know, his music guy started playing the playing the piano, and he started singing. Nice, so pretty pretty cool stuff. But mm-hmm. but it's it's wonderful that we have that uh, up here. That we have those kinds of 
you know, like if we'd have been in, in let's say, Detroit or Chicago, we'd have been in, sitting in a house that had 5,000 people in it. Yeah. You know, and, and so it was very cool to be able to see him in a, in the, you know, with, with a couple hundred people, couple hundred other people. Nice. It was a lot, a lot more intimate. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Well, so what have you been up to? Well, uh, first thing is our illustrious moderator sold me this. Shut the hell up. Where did he get that from? That looks like my old knife. Uh, it's, well, it's, anyway, it's the uh, Chris Reeves um, Shadow 4. Yeah. So it's yeah, got what did, the, did he say where he got that from? No, but he had it. Did he get it from Chance? Uh, I didn't ask him. But he he needed a little bit of money, so I bought it. And nice. Yeah, and then nice. um, so I finally have a hollow handled knife <laughs> that's worth a, worth I, a damn. I'll tell you what, I have. I think I still have two of those yet. Huh? And uh, uh, they're pretty amazing. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. I haven't I haven't played with it at all, but but um, that it looks like the one that that Chance got off me. So I wonder if you got it from Chance. Well, this one came with two sheaths, two right handed sheaths. No. So okay. no, mine only had one. Yeah. Well, this one had two right-handed sheaths with it, and it it looks pretty darn pristine. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's not made. Now you're gonna make mine worth more. How so? I actually have one. Did I show you the one I have? That's kind of urban camouflagey. Uh uh-uh. uh I haven't ever seen that, but I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll, I'll see have to it. I dig I that one out. It's pretty there. cool. It's the only one I haven't used. The other one I used. Uh huh. And uh, it's it's pretty neat, but cool. Um, the, uh, you'll like that. You'll like that knife. That's a that's actually a cool knife. They work quite well. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited to to use it and try it out and stuff. Uh, I always if I buy something from a friend, I always have a lifetime buyback policy. So if if, if I buy something from a friend and they ever start missing it and wish they hadn't sold it, I let them know that you know, look, I'm not gonna have somebody pining away over something that I have. So. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's. You, do you I, give them the same deal? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I'm not gonna keep keep something from somebody that they really want it. So, but it's mine for now. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, do you have to get you, you get to use it? Well, yeah, I I own it. Well, I know, but it's a collector's piece. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway. I'm not. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. Let's see. Um, other stuff. Oh, I finished uh, in the shop. This is the last one, number fifteen. Sweet. Started with. Uh, so if you if people at home want to see what I'm holding up, uh, if you go to Facebook and look up Versteg Blades, V E R space S T E E G Blades, you'll find the little Facebook page. Give it a like. You can see what I'm holding up. It's a big, huge, uh, my version of the Marine Raider Bowie. Uh, started as a two-pound bar of steel and now weighs uh, one pound, six ounces. <laughs> so Do you weighed it, huh? Yeah, I did, because um, I was curious how much how much steel I'd taken off and uh, how much they were going to weigh. Of course, you know, I still have to I still have to grind the edge. I left these edges like pretty thick, um, just worried about some warping and heat treat or something like that. They're all table flat right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left the edge um, th- thicker than like a quarter. So like a, a quarter with a dime on top of it is how thick I left it. Just hoping to 
not have any issues. Uh, but uh, so far, everything everything looks good. I'm going to go back through the batch tonight and just make sure that uh, all of them match really well and that there aren't any glaring uh, problems and that the trim and everything and as as close to perfect as I can get it before the heat treat. So as long as it doesn't get warped up in the heat treat, you'll be all set. Yeah. Well, I mean, this it's quarter inch thick steel. And then it's full convex ground down to, like I said, a quarter plus a dime on top of it for the edge. So, I mean, it'd be, I, I suppose it could warp, but, um, I know a couple tricks. Um, one trick is, uh, if you have a vise and, uh, three bolts and the, the knife is bowing one way, you put one bolt on that side and two bolts on the other and then heat the spine up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one way. Another way is to just run it through a temper again um, with two C-clamps on it and a shim in the middle. Lon Humphrey um, showed me that. And then uh, just, just put it back through a temper cycle, and when it's done, it's straight. Nice. So I've tried both of those methods, and both of them actually do work. Um, nice. Yeah, so if there's a problem with them, I'm sure I can fix them. It's it's not like they're going to corkscrew or something. It's going to bend one way or the other, and then I can fix it. So excited about that. Um, I figured out, you remember I told you I caught my car, my favorite Carhartt hoodie on, on fire. Right. Did you get well, a new one? I did, um, but they only had two XLs, so it's like <laughs> it's like crazy. I look like I'm trying to be a rapper or something, but this is going to have so you, to work. So you bought a 2XL? Yeah. Why don't you just wait till you get the right size? Because they're out for the season. They're gone. Oh. Um, but I did I did find uh, one online, an XL. Um, I usually just wear a large, but I found an XL, which I tried another Carhartt on a while ago, and XL would work. It's just a little baggy. Um, so, and I found the way to not burn up the next one. I bought a, uh, welder's apron, (laughs) 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 a big, huge leather apron for 20 bucks. And it's, yeah, but these, these Carhartt hoodies are awesome. They're the thermal lined ones and they're just like the best thing ever. So now they have the Carhartt, uh, I mean, it's like my jacket, only a hoodie, uh, it's not. It's not. It's soft on the outside. It's not. Oh, like it's not their the brown duck stuff. No, it's not okay. their canvas stuff. It's it's like soft on the outside, but it's got like a lining on the inside that's real nice. Oh. And uh, I got those and some. Um, they're making these awesome pants now. They've they've decided to make some BDUs. Carhartt has. It's the uh, Force Tekken pants or whatever it's called. Force Tappen, I guess. Those are awesome. Uh, have a couple pairs of those. Uh, let's now, see. Are those the canvassy type things? Um, they're they're a uh, cotton fabric, but they're ripstop, and they're they look and fit just like a really good pair of BDUs. And they're like cargo pants and stuff. So I'm gonna bring mm-hmm. bring those to PWYP and try them out. And Get a size to fit me. Uh, I, don't I don't think know. I've seen those. No, yeah, I, I, uh, they're pretty nice. I saw them at the Mall of America store. That's where I bought them. Uh huh. Carhartt has its own like store there. It's uh-huh. pretty cool. Yeah. 
I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, they have their own store there. That'd be pretty cool. We have a place up here that we go to that's got all Carhartts and it's in this, this family's garage. Oh, cool. So they, it's like their little family business and they, mm-hmm. they have every Carhartt thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. It's not an inexpensive place to buy stuff because it's, you know, I mean, they don't, they can't buy obviously bulk like you would if you had a mall. I guess I'm kind of surprised to hear. Well, of course not. I guess not up there. But like you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't find a mall like a mall Carhartt store in anywhere else. Yeah. yeah, I don't know of anywhere else. They're sold <clears throat> in like mom and pop hardware stores, right? You know, and that's that's why I love them so much is because that's what I grew up with. You know? Right. If you want, you know, they like, do. They they have a collaboration with Case Knives. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I didn't yep. know that. Case Case licensed uh, Carhartt. And I think I want I want to say that you'll find them in like the like the big box stores. Okay. Um, and they actually have like a Carhartt colored scale. On Ooh, their I gotta knife. get they're, one of those. They're they're pretty cool. They're they're pretty neat. Speaking of the case knives, um, I've done some listening to some other podcasts in the meantime. Uh, Gear Geeks Live, our friend Anthony Scullumbrini, uh he went through the Benchmade catalog with a couple other guys, and um, they had a bunch of interesting things to say. Um, but one of the things they said was that they think that the market is moving away from uh, the tactical folders. It all kind of look the same. Yeah. Um, and um, he, he had a bunch of int- other interesting things to say on there, but that was, that was the one that stood out the most. And then... Uh, the other podcast I listened to was uh, Knife Thursday, and they did a, an entire like two-hour episode on uh, traditional folders, huh. and like they're they're like just completely going crazy about traditional folders now. Interesting. And those you know, those the, were the guys that were like you know so hardcore the, about um, tactical folders and like all this like you know. Well, you know what what's interesting about it? A lot of um a lot of people don't realize that they're when you start getting connected with a with those pocket knives um they you know they get people call them some people call them slip joints some people call yeah, them yeah. you know there's a lot of other names that but you know traditional traditional uh, pocket knife people um they their connection comes from their lineage i mean it ends up being that that the those kind of knives remind you of your grandfather your great-grandfather and a lot of times your father like in my case my generation is my mm-hmm. father yeah um because they all carried knives like that too yeah and <clears throat> it's funny once you once you see somebody find that then it's like a light bulb turns yeah, on then, for them well that, if something clicks and they just all of a sudden they're just like they get they get sucked right into that and, that, and it, it sounds like that's what happened to the knife thursday guys because they are just they're like whole hog over mm-hmm. like, and it sounds like that that's something that might last with them. You know, the and, other- and and what's what's really neat about that is there are a lot of very 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 good makers mm-hmm. that make those kind of knives now. Well, and it, not just that, um, we know we know somebody with a, their own line. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek at Knives Ship Free has his own line. Yep. Uh, and yep. then, um, uh, of course, there's always Case. 
Mm-hmm. Like you, you just can't beat it. Or and actually, then, actually, you ought to see some of the stuff that Queen's putting out now too. Yeah, is Queen really Canal Street really something else is another good Shannon one. Morgan. I, yeah, and then um, you know I collect a lot of the real, real old ones. Um, Fighting Rooster is is one that uh, that I, I've mm-hmm. got a bunch of those that were you know made in Germany, and they're just I I like the ones with the celluloid handles. Mm-hmm. Um, or the handle covers, the celluloid ones that are really brightly colored. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's like my rosebud. I love those things. Um, you know, I have a, I actually have a one of the pocket knives that's in my rotation is a Hinkle's pocket knife, and okay. older with it's not that old, but I mean it's, but it's what it, what's interesting about it is it's a, um, it's a lockback. Uh-huh. And a pocket and a slip joint. So so one of the blades, the master blade in it, is actually a lockback cool. folder. And then the other one uh is uh, the other two are um are just regular slip joints. And it's got a yellow Delrin handle. So it's not that old. It's probably twenty years old, I I think, uh-huh. somewhere in that neighborhood. But what a nice little pocket knife it is. Yeah. And and you know, I've said it for a long time, there's a lot of stuff that if you know how to use a knife there's a lot of stuff you can do with that knife. And I think that maybe the evolution of people using their knives might be might be what's changing the tactical knife market. Yeah. Um, well, I mean I I'm just the, I'm just throwing something out there that that maybe as people evolve, they start realizing they don't need to have a a pocket knife that weighs four, four or five well, pounds. Well, right, that has a quarter-inch <laughs> thick blade with terrible freaking edge geometry. Like, you know, you, you're basically putting a, a large chopper blade into a folder, and it, it looks cool, and it, it's awesome, it feels heavy, um, but, like, actually trying to cut stuff with them is hard unless they really got the geometry nailed, and most of the ones that I've seen just don't. Um, but they, they even talked about that on their podcast, that, like, you know, the cool thing about these uh, slip joints is you whip them out, and they actually cut. Yeah. You know, because it's yeah. a nice thin, and they were like shocked. Well, actually, by that. the I mean, the, the the funny part about it is, is those are actually the knives that you can actually, you could do surgery on somebody if you needed to. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the knife that you grab if you got to do a trach, an emergency tracheotomy. Yeah, on because it's got a real thin blade that'll go right <laughs> through. You know, it's yep, and not leave a big eight, jagged scar. Eight, eighth <laughs> inch or smaller, man. That's that's uh, you know, and and I, I've said it like a thousand times, like. You know, you can do pretty much everything you need to do with a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. You know, if if you're not trying to, if you're not trying to prepare like, if it's not forty below and you're and you're not trying to prepare enough wood for the night, you know, like yeah. In which case you're screwed if you don't have an axe anyway. Your hard right. use folder ain't going to do nothing to get you enough firewood <coughs> for one of the one of the things that. I will I will. You have to give the tactical folders the fact that you can open it with one hand. Love and, it. And I, I have a pretty strong thumbnail, but I don't think I could grab a. I don't think I could grab my little Swiss Army knife and open it with no, one hand. No, it's not even worth trying. Um, but yeah, I, I like the for one-handed things that, that Spider Co. Paramilitary Two is. One I of guess. My I guess you. I guess you could if you go like this. Well, there's a way. They call it, like, nail flipping or whatever. Oh, yeah, you grab your <laughs> the thing with your mouth or whatever. 
and then I grabbed the lanyard. I grabbed the lanyard with my mouth and was able to hold the blade with my thumbnail. But I, it's it's definitely not something that you want to do if you were hanging from a cliff. And for one-handed one openers, hand. it's tough to beat this one. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. This is. Oh I just yeah. held up a uh, Pardue, Mel Pardue yeah. Auto that I I like, but well. Um, while we're while we're hitting sitting right here, um, our supercomputer, we figured out we might as well give away the skyline. Yep. Um. And and now that I'm 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 sitting here holding it in my hand again, I remembered why I like this knife. But I uh, I touched up the edge on it, you know, cleaned it up, sharpened it. Mm-hmm. Um. It's really, it's really a nice. It really is a nice knife. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you, have you do you have one of these? No, I don't. You should, you should actually look into these. You would, you would like these. Okay. Made in the USA. Um, nice lightweight G10 scales. Um, got a little flipper on it. Yep. Uh, the only thing you would not like about it is it's only for right-handed, so you'd have to carry it opposite-handed. Yeah. Uh, but. That being said, you can carry a, a knife on your other hand. Well, yeah, and I again, I'm left-handed, but I'm ambidextrous, so right, you know, I can do it. Um, I just if I can if I can have a tool made for me, I I'll take it, you know. But uh, so who are you going to? This would have been to? an easy knife. This would have been an easy knife for them to put uh, two screw holes on the other side. Yeah, and it would have and it would have been fine. Yeah. Um, so the super computer kicked out. A fella named Cool Bet, B-E-I-T, C-O-O-L-B-E-I-T. Okay. And um, he was the uh, he was the lucky winner. I will send an email to him. Uh huh. And uh, get his address and ship it out. Okay. Sweet. Well. And congrats, thank you. I'm going to close that. I'm going to close that uh, that thread. And uh, toward the end of this podcast, we'll announce another, another much, giveaway, much better one. So stay tuned, I guys. Think, I think the way we should do that um, is have a number one winner and a number two winner, and number one gets to pick which one first, and then number oh, two that, gets the, that the other one. Okay, that um, works. Hey everyone, uh, this is recorded after the fact. We forgot to give away the Epic Knives. Uh, we have uh, two new knives that were donated by Mike Stewart at Bark River Knives. One is a Bravo 1, and one is a Bravo 1.5. So how this is going to work is there will be a thread on uh, knifejournal.com in the forums there. And if you want one of those knives, all you have to do is sign up. And we'll pick two winners. Winner number one gets to pick the first knife, and winner number two gets what's left. But either way, it's a great uh, giveaway. This is our best yet by far. Uh, Thanks a lot to Mike Stewart and the guys at uh, Bark River Knives.
let's see. Uh, so I got off the after that last podcast came out. I got a call at like five in the morning from our friend Chance Sanders, and it was nice. a, a two and a half hour uh, phone conversation because he was working all night and listened to our uh, podcast, which um, I'm told uh, that. You know, it's very popular with people that drive and with people that have knife shops and with people that work all night um, because they'll listen to it. And And people with having psychotic episodes? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we should should talk a little bit about that a little later here. But um, so... We, we talked about all sorts of things, um, and then w- there was a thread on his Facebook page that I want to talk about as well. But the other thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, he was like, well, who, who are your sponsors? And I said, well, we don't have any. And he's like, well, why do you talk so much about, like, Bark River and uh, all those people? And I'm like, well, are you paying us? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, the reason we talk about you is because we know you. You know, right. And I'm like, the reason we talk about those places is because they're our friends, you know, so we know them. Yeah. And if if, you know, if somebody wants us to talk about their stuff, um, by all means, shoot us an email knife knife uh, podcast at knife journal dot com. And, you know, maybe we'll have you on or or whatever, you know, check out your stuff, whatever. Um, You don't have to pay us, you know, just, uh, you know, it's just we talk about the people that we know. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about like Vladimir Putin, <laughs> you know, because I don't know him. And oh, I'm not gonna I, I, I'm not gonna him. talk. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not gonna talk a, a huge amount of time about some random knife maker in the middle of nowhere that I don't know. Right. You know, it's that's just so. You know, nobody's paying us to talk about them, but the the people we talk about are our friends. Um, let's see, what did Chance have to say? He's, he's, uh, you know, he's got a survival school he's working up. And, uh, one of the things that he's going to do is for after Blade Show this year, that Sunday afternoon of Blade Show, mm-hmm. he's, he's going to start a urban survival class that day. And, uh, nice. it's going to go for a couple days after. And so nice. he's gonna like put a black bag over your head and stun gun your nuts and yeah <laughs> all sorts of drive you around in a van and all that crazy. Now he's he's not gonna do that, but that's no, that's what gonna, I think yeah, of. When he's I gonna hear, ask me to do that. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I think of when I hear about the urban survival schools. It's like like they like beat you up and shock you with a stun gun and throw you in a truck and then drop you off and <clears throat> put you in a dead hooker bag and throw you in the lake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah. So I was I was I don't still don't know if I'm going to go to Blade yet. It's it's kind of a scheduling thing. I'm going to I'll try. I'm not if I go I'm not going to show any blades. I just I'm not ready yet. Right. I just go just to yak it up and see other people's stuff but uh okay so um next week is the grind in yep you're coming up on friday yep are, are you leaving thursday night or when are you uh, d- depends on when tim gets up here i might leave thursday night um so that i get there fairly early in the day on friday depends so if he gets up here at like eight o'clock you know, I usually go to bed around nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might just get up earlier. I might wake him up really early in the morning and leave. 
It was about a nine-hour drive, so if I left at five, we'd be there uh, like at two-ish, two or three. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's so he so he may come Thursday night, and you're just well, gonna... he's he's for sure coming Thursday night. It's just he's gonna work and then come up after work, and it's a couple hours for him. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, cool. Well, and I'll see you for sure on Friday, and yeah. I guess. Uh, the, the Beck knives, the, the Beck knives, the, um, uh, can we officially call those trackers? I don't know. I don't see why not. I mean, I, um, we, we should say it's a tracker style knife. Yeah. How about, how about that? Yeah. Um, or a Beck, a Beck style tracker knife. I don't know. There was some blow up. What I just, uh. On Chance's page, he shared yeah. a picture of you from the movie, and yeah, yeah, and, uh, oh, it, all of a sudden which, you had yeah, which I want to which I want to draw attention to. So, um, basically, Chance uh, on March eighth put up a a picture, a screenshot from the movie of the uh, of the of the Beck knife that was in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it looks very very different from the knives that Beck is currently producing. Um, are you? Do you have it open and looking at it? That's I'm going there right now. Okay. Well, at any rate, um, the f- the photo of the knife from this one particular screenshot in the movie is has much more drastic curves on the on the spine. Uh, and the the handle, if you look at that handle, it's it's very very beefy. Like I like, you know, I like mm-hmm. a big thick handle. If you look at that handle and compare that to the size of his hand, that's a thick handle. Yep. And then um, the other thing you'll notice about that, and I, if you scroll down on that thread a little bit, there's a uh, that hollow grind area there is very very different from the hollow grind area that Beck is doing right now, right? And and uh, I wondered. I wondered if uh, if uh, Mike would eventually shed some light on how that was done. But how I think that was done, if you scroll down, I posted a photo. I think he started out with a blade that was um, much bigger than that and then did a grind that, that that's towards the tip there. That grind all the way through and then went back and hollow ground out that hollow ground spot, just dug the wheel in there. And after he dug it in sufficient amount on each side, then cut out the bottom. You see how there's that notch yep. there, and that's a sharp yep. notch. That that yep. is not a notch that's getting there any other way that I can think of. Right. So the guy basically dug that how dug the wheel in and then cut out the bottom is how I think that was made. Right. Um. But uh, and that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I that we were talking earlier about that. It, it's kind of a funny deal because I, I think about it. I think about sweet spots on a chopping knife, yeah, or an axe or whatever. You know, there's there always is a sweet spot whether you're using a machete or a or a parang or a, a any of the big chopping knives that you see. There's always a, a, the quote unquote sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that picture and the tracker knife in general, and what no, no matter who makes it, they take the sweet spot and they cut it out. They literally cut the sweet spot out of that knife. You mean with and, the hollow ground, or yeah, right where that, right where the hollow is. Yeah, that's that's where the the sweet spot should be, just right behind that 
where the notch is. Yeah. It should be right where the, the notch should be like right in the center of the sweet spot of that knife. Well, it depends. You know, that handle is long and it's got like all these different ways to grip it. Yeah. So, so maybe the sweets, well, of course the sweet spot would change depending, but if you wanted to, where would you grip <laughs> if you wanted to bring the sweet spot out towards the tip? As opposed you to back towards you, the handle, you couldn't because the the sweet spot is a. It, it's 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 talking about the sweet spot is kind of in, kind of interesting because every knife has a. Hopefully, the knife designer has the ability to predict where the sweet spot's going to be on the knife. Yeah, but a lot of times they don't, and it's a naturally occurring thing because it it ends up being yeah it's usually right at the point of the curve is where the sweet spot is supposed to be. Well, that's that's how you grind it, and that's but but uh, and so and so what ends up happening is like and you and you flick it the way you and then you kind of judge and see where it looks like the blade, uh, where it's going to do the most because you because it's like a centering process because yeah. you want to have whatever you're chopping you want to have an equal amount on both sides that's why <clears throat> that's why big knives are kind of funny about chopping because you only chop on a, a several inch section of the blade yeah unlike an axe that you have maybe a three and a half inch section right that is a pretty any anywhere on that spot is is pretty good mm-hmm. while a knife really no matter how big the knife is mm-hmm. it only has a small area that is a very good spot to chop with but i think you move that back and forth by if you have a really long handle on it like say say you take that knife and put a 20 inch handle on it the sweet spot is going to change if your hand is way back at the back of the 20 inches or if you choke up well yeah the, but that's yeah. but that's like like my i have a northwind sword yeah and and it's got a fairly long handle on it mm-hmm. but um and and you're right if you move because what it is is it changes where the center where you're, where but, where the center of gravity is relative to your hand, right? It's but the change. thing is, is that with with the quote unquote sweet spot, it always seems to be a naturally occurring spot on the blade. Yeah, like like when you pick that knife up, you almost immediately know where you got to hit something with it to to um to make it cut. Yeah, and I remember <clears throat> the first time the first time I played with a Mashax. Um, I had, it, it, it's not as evident where yeah. the sweet spot is going to be with that. Uh-huh. Have, have you ever chopped with one of those? Uh, briefly. It's not my favorite. Um, no, there's, it's not it, a, I, I mean, there, I tried it and I tried to like it, but I, I don't really like it. Um, I'm, hold, hold, hold the tune for a second. Okay. My ear plug is going crazy. Okay. Okay, I have uh, implants in my ears, and they uh, 
every once in a while I don't I change the settings and I forget to change them back and it gets all squealy on me. Okay. Um, but the the sweet spot on that knife is not as evident. It's not as obvious as what you might think it is. I and I, I um, didn't like it because <clears throat> I because once you know where it is, I I won a chopping contest with it. Yeah, I mean you can you can make it work, but I there was a couple things I didn't like about it. I mean it's there are people that love it. I just could not. I couldn't right. get to where I was comfortable with it. But um, right. But what you know what I'm saying though. I, yeah. That, it's, that's why. It's, and it might have been because it wasn't. Spot. It wasn't that evident to you. Yeah. Where the well, sweet and then, spot is. and then the other thing is, is like when I would hit, it would just thunk. Like right. the the edge geometry on my on the on the model that I was using um, was not correct. Because um, mm-hmm. you know if you take. Uh, I made this video. Uh, folks can see it on my YouTube channel, Average Iowa Guy. Um, I made this video on some things that I've learned over time um, from making parangs. Uh, and the thing that you, you, I, I, ha- I show, I have the the parang um, before I sharpen it. So it's got a, a an edge that's a quarter thick. So you you know like hold up a quarter. That's how thick it is, unsharpened. And just flick it, and it sinks two inches into a stump. Okay, mm-hmm. that's correct edge geometry. You know, if if you take a sharp knife and you can flick it, and it doesn't sink into the wood, the edge geometry is wrong. Right. You know. You know, a lot of uh, and we've talked about this before. I had a, a guy sent me a big chopper knife, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it had two hollow grinds in it, and the the hollow grinds were so sh- were so s- short that. It made like a wedge, yeah. And so when you chopped something, it would it would the material would push it right back out. It would get to a certain part of the wedge, and the wet, and then the material would just basically snap shut, yeah. and push the material back out. It was it was kind of funny to, I mean, it was I mean, I called the guy up and I said, you really need to change this, but yeah, and he did. But it was uh, uh kind of one of those funny deals that that when you when most knives when people see them. They've already gone past that stage where, um, where something like that is happening, mm-hmm. and so unless you see one prior to, unless you see one that goes wrong, you don't really understand why it, why, what caused it to go wrong, mm-hmm. and and some of the bigger knives have the same issues. It's just that they're not as prevalent because they, you don't see them as much because uh, it's not as compounded. Because it's not really wrong; it's just a little wrong. Mm-hmm. So the issue doesn't become as you know, like major league compounded. Mm-hmm. But but that, but when I, like I said, when I look at the tracker knife, I always that's one of the things that I've always thought about was <clears throat> the sweet spot on that knife is 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 missing, or at least half of it is missing. Well, but we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah, I'm, I'm we'll gonna out. I'm gonna work with it. I'm gonna spend uh, an entire week using that sucker at PWYP. Yep. yep. And uh, you know, because we're gonna have to heat that teepee, yep. there's gonna be plenty of opportunity to be screwing around with that thing. I don't want to hear any nonsense from our campmates about, oh, you guys are bushcrafters. Like, no, I'm testing a knife. Like. <laughs> You know, like I'm, I'm actually gonna give it a real try. I don't want to hear about whittling spoons and crap, which yep. I'm not gonna do. But Fine. Um, I'll what? whittle a spoon. I'll, I don't have a problem. I'll whittle a, a ladle. 
<laughs> a big spoon or a spatula. Yeah. But um, with a little fork. A little fork. So oh, I did find my fork. I did find my fork. I'll bring those up this weekend. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, so the the knife that was in the movie. Okay, um, there are differences between that and the one that Beck is currently making. No, one uh, very obvious difference is that the curves on the spine are very much more aggressive looking. Mm-hmm. Like that looks evil to me. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to grind mine like that this weekend. Um, evil looking. Oh, with this big curve? Yeah, I like that curve on the spine. That lo- I mean, because honestly, what you're what you're reacting to when you look at that knife is the aesthetics of it, not necessarily because you don't know what the usefulness <laughs> is until you well, actually yeah. use it. You're looking at it and you're attracted to it because of the aesthetics. Well, listen, this is the other thing that that about the movie knife that is kind of you got to think about when you have a movie knife. The movie knives are usually um, much more exaggerated. Yeah, less subtle, and yeah, I get it. Such as such as the the Rambo knife. Yeah, was way more exaggerated than most knives. Yeah, of of the time period. Yeah, and and uh, I'm getting a howl. I'm getting all kinds of feedback here. Hey, hang on a second. There, how's that? Good. Okay. Um, so the so the uh, uh, the knife was much more exaggerated, and who would have known that that exaggeration would have sold the knife quite a bit? Yeah. And that's the that's the kind of the funny thing. And and if I look at this picture and I see an exaggerated knife handle, I see exaggerated all the curves in it are very exaggerated. Yeah. And so you know, hence it gets it becomes part of the movie. It becomes its own character. Yeah. The other one of the other differences is if you look at the models that Beck is currently offering, that hollow grind does not it doesn't stop abruptly with a notch there. It turns the corner. He turns the corner with that hollow grind. And then the handles on the current Beck models are are they're removing a lot more material. I mean that that looks one handle scale on there looks like it's a half inch thick. That yeah. is a beefy frickin' handle. Yeah, but but I think that it's it's probably there's a reason for that. What's that? Well, it's it's exaggerated. Okay, I agree. Um, you know, it's an it's an exaggerated knife. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I would like to I would like to have one of these knives that he has the, that he makes the Beck ones. Yeah, me too. But it's a grand. No, no, I wouldn't. I'd I'd get like the. The Bush Pilot Number Four. Yeah, he, I bucks. mean, he's got some really good-looking knives. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. So if you if you uh, if you scroll down on that thread, there's some guy, uh, some guy in there says. Let me see where he says it. He says, "Okay." He says, "People think the Tom Brown Tracker is the knife of the hunted. It's not." Beck knives were the original WSKs or Wilderness Survival knives. Tom Brown Tracker copied and Tops has no soul, right? I'm not so anyway, there's that perception out there. Well, if you scroll down that thread, later on, Tom Brown the third roll, <laughs> rolls in and uh says, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The tracker knife was made 
and produced long before Dave Beck took uh, HID standard class, uh, whatever that means. The first person to produce the knife who designed it uh, alongside my dad was Ed Lombie, which I'd never heard that name before. Uh, in fact, there were three makers of the knife before Dave Beck was around. And the knife in The Hunted was not made by Beck. It was made by one of my uh, friend's father. It was a special run made with uh, cobalt dendritic steel. Again, I don't know what that is. Um, but anyway, so there was a little bit of drama there. And like one of, you know, Tom Brown's son actually weighed in on that thread, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, the, uh, oh wow, he's, he's put a lot of, uh, other stuff in there. Anyway, that thread is, is pretty, uh, interesting. And then later on, he says, uh, uh, Tom Brown says, he started taking classes at Tracker and was, is a great knife maker. The previous maker had passed away, so my dad asked Dave if he would start making it. About patents, you cannot patent a knife design or likeness. That's why there are so many companies out there making copies of the tracker knife. The first tracker knives were made in the early 1980s. Beck didn't come to the tracker school until the late 80s, early 90s. I have pics of all the pre-tops trackers together uh, on on a log on my camp somewhere. Uh, I'll see if I can find them. You know, what's interesting about that is that uh, that knife is, the Topps knife isn't even really close to this. No, God, no. Yeah, and, and Ch- Chance um, <clears throat> Chance said that th- there are some problems with the, with the Topps knives, which, of course, I don't know what they are. Um, but they... Uh, that's he chance thinks that one of the reasons people poo poo the the tracker knife is that they get the taps version and it's not mm-hmm. it's not done as well as the uh as well as the beck version mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um so there's that um but anyway that, that was makes, kind of and a that neat, makes sense i mean that's yeah. a, um that's you know, big production knife is not going to be the same kind of thing as a. Yeah. You know, they're gonna they're gonna take some manufacturing uh, uh, issues into consideration that maybe maybe you can't do uh-huh. as easy. You know, with a. I mean, let's face it; these the the uh, the Beck knives are all handmade, and they're they're beautiful knives. Yep. I mean, those are yep. just gorgeous, but they're a grand, and I can't afford it. <laughs> Okay, so what? So which way are you going to do yours? Are you going to hollow grind yours around, or are you going to do this kind of a? Well, it depends on the blank. I think the 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 image of the blank that um, that Mike sent me was uh, it was it was already basically the bottom was cut out of it. So oh, was it? Yeah. Well, so it's a matter of sharpening it. Yeah. A certain way. So basic. Well, and I'm not even going to try it. I'm going to try to get Skittles to do it. Like yeah. I'll I'll buy him beer or something, because um, I, I can't I I don't have the skill to do that yet, and I don't want to screw up a, a three hundred dollar blank. See, to me, when I look at when I look at Beck's blank Beck's knife, yeah, that that makes more sense than the movie knife does. 
Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Although the, the thing is, what Chance says is that that little notch there yeah. is like really, really, really useful. And Chance says he's going to release a couple videos, so be watching for those um, Chan- on Chance Sanders' uh, YouTube page. Um, but they, uh, he says that that notch is like useful, really, hmm. really useful. And so I think you kind of want to leave that notch there. But um, I don't know. Um, it, it depends on. Uh, I, I'd have to look at the blank to to say. I, I'm guessing that the blank. The way they cut, the way that Mike got the blank cut is going to have to be, um, you're going to have to turn the corner like on the modern day, uh, Tom Browns is my guess. So, uh, Mike posted hmm. a thing that, uh, he posted the menu. Yeah. Did you see that? Looks, Looks good, eh? Prime rib. My God. <clears throat> he oh, said yeah. there's, uh, over 45 people signed up already. Yeah, they do a good more. job. Yeah, it's they amazing. Do, they do a very good job. Yeah. And if uh, uh, if, if uh, anybody has the uh, opportunity to make this, is it really is worth the effort? Yeah. <clears throat> it is a lot of fun. Yep. And you you learn a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff. Like it it complete. I I'm years ahead of where I should be because I went to that. You know, in, mm-hmm. in terms of. You know, thinking about knives and um, the actual technique of actually making them. I'm I'm years ahead of where I should be, um, and it's because I had good teachers. Yuppers. So what else is going on? Well, I'm gonna. I'm, Let me see your hands. They're fine. Oh, you got all your fingers, yeah, toes. Yeah. Okay, okay, so so here's something um, for you guys that are thinking about grinding some knives. Here's a little um, learned wisdom. Uh, you know, on I, I wear leather gloves when I do it, just because that that grinder will burn through anything but a leather gl- glove in a fraction of a second. And um, I took the top of my thumb off with that like <laughs> a couple weeks ago. But anyway, uh, on the leather gloves. Um, there's on the side of your index finger that's closest to your thumb. If there is a seam there with threads in it, that glove is going to fall apart. And it's, it's, uh, because that you, you will hit it on the grinder and it, it's a fraction of a second and all of those stitches are gone and the finger unwraps. So, um, I'm actually keeping my eye out for, uh, gloves that are, that have a leather there, but that wraps all, around and hides the seam away from where it's going to get hit by the grinder. Um, if, if anybody knows of those, let us know. But uh, my hands are fine. Um, I've sold enough of those Bowies that I've paid for all of the cost, uh, plus a little extra. And I have a few left, but I'm not going to... I'm trying not to push those <laughs> because they're not ready and I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> You know, because they're just, I mean, it takes time, you know, and now I've got to send it off for heat treat. I, su- I suppose you're going to make me buy one. No, uh, you can't have one. <laughs> I'm not letting you near one because <laughs> you don't like my stuff. <laughs> I don't think you'll like it because I, I, it's not a knife that I would use. And if it's not a knife that I would use, it's not a knife you're going to like either. Hmm. You know, I do have some big knives. Yeah, but you don't use them. I wouldn't say that. 
I have I have one I have a big knife in my um in my prowler sitting on the I have that I have that Martindale Oh um, the machete? The Golock. Yeah. Well, um yeah, I'll let I'll have to you'll have to have to play with them and see if you like them or not. Um you know, the the thing is is it's like it's a really huge <laughs> freaking quarter inch thick uh pound and a half knife. You know, and it it'll chop, uh, and it'll cut. But um, you know, I kind of I kind of prefer like a smaller knife. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is what people wanted, and it, it's, it's it's done really well. Um, but I need to. The next step is to get those sent off to heat treat, and uh, I'm gonna do my best to get those done by the heat treater that does the Bark River stuff. Um, because we've been talking before, and I think it was Tim Zawada, it was that Tim Zawada podcast, where if uh, steel is greater than a certain thickness, um, it's a, it's very difficult to get it to through harden. Right. And so I, um, they they do all of Bark River stuff, and and most of the Bark River stuff is thicker than than that. Um, thickness that you were talking about. So right. the fact that they've done like a, a hundred thousand or more blades and not had a problem with the heat treat on real thick <laughs> stuff, that tells me that's who I should be using. You know, um, I, I did make you something though. Okay. And, uh, I'll show you. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to hold something up, but I don't, I don't want anybody knowing about this. So don't comment on it. Um, I'm going to I'm also going to hold something up for size comparison. Don't comment com- on that either. Um reason being I don't want I don't want to be bothered about them until they're done. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do right. I'm going to do 20 of them. All right. Okay, so here's the size comparison. Right? Okay. Oh, nice. Okay, so you can zip your pants up now. I don't need to see that. <laughs> but um <laughs> Uh, we can talk about it off off air, but I oh, I cute. don't want people knowing about it till it's done. Um, that's cute. But that that'll work. Yeah, it it'll be fantastic. Um, yeah, that'll work. And I I'm gonna give somebody some credit for it when it's released. It isn't an exact. It's not anywhere close to what that person did, but I got the idea from from that person. Mm-hmm. You see that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I got that idea from this person that we know. Okay, um, so you probably shouldn't even give that much away. Okay, well then, I'm not going to say <laughs> anything else, but I, I'm positive that you'll like this because oh, I yeah. I like it, and this is yep, something yep. that I'm going to use. And and I'm actually I'm giving you a double O model. Um, the only people who get double O's are me or very very good friends. Oh, well, that's awful nice. Um, yeah, because uh, the double O means it's a prototype or I made it for someone. Everybody else gets numbered stuff. Sweet. Um, I'm all excited now. But um, it may it may come to you just like this, and you may have to finish it at Bark River. Um, okay. depends on whether or not my scale material gets in. But okay. it, it won't take long at all to finish this. And back nope. here is where you would put a tube, and then up here would be a pin. And then yeah. um, a little, very thin, because the the idea here is um, it should disappear. Oh yeah, should disappear. Yep. 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 So, Sweet. but I did make you something. I was thinking of you. 
Cool. Um, but I, well, I, I, I do not that. think you're going to like this. Because <laughs> uh, it's because I it's nothing that I would use myself, but people freaking love them. So yeah. I'm well, and that's, that, that is true. There's something about big knives that people love. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So did you happen to see... Uh, did you happen to see Dave Scammer's post about the paracord? Yeah. So t- you got to fill me in on that. So <laughs> there's this post of of Dave cutting paracord with this. What knife was that? It's like a seven That's inch. That's actually uh, that was actually the prototype. And hang on. You know what? Before I start the story, we got to take a bit of a break. Okay. <clears throat> I got to fill my coffee cup up. Okay. And I have to drain some other coffee out. I'll cue some music. <laughs> cue some music, baby. Yeah. Cue some um. Uh, do some Beach Boys or something. Okay, I'll I'll All find right. something. Yep. All right, bye. Yeah, bye. I keep looking for a place to fit in where I can speak my mind. And I've been trying hard to find the people that I won't leave behind. They say I got brains, but they Okay, so quickly, did you see my shirt? Yeah, I did. On these, um, yep. Do you think? Uh, I maybe I'll give one to Mike too. Um, for teaching me all this crap. Yeah. Do you think he would be offended if I just brought them up bare and we finished them up there? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Uh, no. We can't let anybody take pictures of them though, because I don't want to be harassed about them. So I'm just right. I'm just gonna these are ready these are heat treated ready to go, um, cool. And I'll just bring them up bare and we'll finish them. Um, Did you read my shirt? Yeah. So what's that mean? It, it, it Jim's got a shirt on that says "F Google Ask Me." <laughs> what's that mean? Fuck Google, ask me. Yeah. Ask. So me. instead of googling something, ask me. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Google that shit. Google that shit. Google that shit. Fuck Google. Ask me. Okay, so <clears throat> I got to wash this before we come up because one of the guys that's going to be up here yeah. works for Google. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. So um, let's, I got this when I was in Iraq, I think. Cool. The uh, Let's see. Um, oh, hey, you guys, you could do us a real big favor. Now, I, I listen to a bunch of different podcasts. Uh, one of them that I listen to is by Christopher Ryan called Tangentially Speaking. And he's this, like, hippie dude, um, but he went all around the world, and he's a, he's a uh, I guess you'd call him an evolutionary psychologist. 
Um, but his stories are really neat. And when I was in college, some of my favorite classes that I ever took were anthropology. And he kind of reminds me, listening to him kind of reminds me of a lot of those classes. Uh, and uh, he's kind of a little bit on the um, left of center side. Um, but, you know, hey, listen, I don't really care too much. Um, we can't all be perfect, you know? Right. You know, and, and you know, look, look. I'm pretty darn tolerant of, you know, if somebody has something interesting to say, I'll at least listen. Um, but anyway, one of the, th I was looking at his podcast and he's got one of the top podcasts going and he's got like 300 ratings on his uh, podcast and they're all pretty good. And I, th he was saying that what happens is once you get a certain number of ratings, you'll get featured in the like little crawler thing on iTunes. And then after that happened, his podcast like took off. So if you want to help us out, um, give us some like good ratings and even better, like write us a review <laughs> because we, uh, we occasionally delve into, um, political subjects. And anytime you do that, you're going to really make some people pretty mad. And a lot of times the only people who are motivated enough to write you a review are the angry people. <laughs> so if you really like us, please um, take, take a couple minutes and get on iTunes and uh, give us a, a rating and maybe say something nice. <laughs> but uh, that's, that, that'd really kind of help us out, uh, spread the word, good word about knives and whatnot and, and those sorts of things. We actually have some funny... Um my wife can't get past the one about me being tolerant. Oh yeah, Jim's Jim's the tolerant one. It, between the two of us, I'm I'm intolerant and Jim is tolerant. <laughs> she she uh yeah. She said, "Well, she said, you know what? You probably are pretty tolerant." She said, "You just speak your mind." She said, "You just don't candy coat stuff." Right. And well, I said, "Well, yeah, and neither neither of us do, and that that'll get us in trouble with a lot of people, unfortunately." Um, but you know, hey, listen, if you want if you want to come on the podcast and talk, hey, <laughs> so shoot us an email. I'll put you on anytime you want. We'll yep. I'll g interview you, and and you might be surprised at how much we actually agree on. Um, yeah. Oh, and, you know, you're always surprised when you actually sit down and, and talk to someone and it's a two-way conversation, then, you know, you come to a lot more common ground than you'd ever think. Yeah. Um, and I certainly understand. You'd have, never, you'd have never known that I was such a gay guy, would you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the point being, like, I, I understand, like, how difficult it is <sighs> when you're when you're sitting there and you're like throwing your shoe at the at the uh, computer screen and stuff, you're so mad at us. Like, but you know, chances are, if you were in the same room, we'd acknowledge your opinion and like, uh, you know, kill maybe you. change our own opinion. No, we'd bit. kill you. We're <laughs> well, intolerant. We would just kill you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you, you'd be surprised. We actually, I do have evolving opinions on a lot of things. Um, and I admit when I'm wrong, you know. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, you know, I call myself out on stuff that I get wrong on this podcast all the time. You know, I no, actually, I, I'm real similar to that too. Yeah. I, I I do admit that I'm wrong, and I do. Um, one of the things that I that I'll do a lot of times is make a quick judgment about something, and 
with the facts that I have in hand, mm-hmm. and it, all of a sudden, if some other facts happen to show up, mm-hmm. I will consider those facts, and and I won't I won't uh, uh, I won't poo poo them as being uh, you know crazy or anything like that. I'll, I'll I'll and a lot of times if it's if it's something that supports another issue, I'll say, well, you know what, damn it, I was wrong. Yeah, I was wrong, and uh, you know you were right. Well, and and it doesn't happen very often, though. Well, it, it happens pretty darn often for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the problem. Especially and people who know me, and people who know me will laugh at that because they know that that's not true. Well, the 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 problem is, uh, you know, you, it's very hard for me to know everything, you know, and and especially when it comes to like all the things I've gotten wrong on this podcast. When people draw my attention to it, listen, I I have no. Uh, no problem admitting when I'm wrong, and and the same thing with uh, same thing with political stuff. You know, sometimes sometimes you evolve over time. You know, and as, yeah. if if you, if you have a good argument, I'm certainly willing to listen. You know, right? But uh, anyway, um, speaking of uh, speaking of a um, something. What is speaking of something? What is <laughs> I'm being Mr. Eloquent here. What is your opinion? Um just I'm asking your opinion. Like there's I, I'm because I'm curious, not I haven't I don't know enough to have an educated opinion about this. What is your opinion of the whole um triple quenching thing? Does it make a difference? <sighs> So you, by this, I'm just going to describe this to our ah. folks at home. So if you have a piece of 1095, uh, you heat it up until it's non-magnetic, about 1500 degrees or so, uh, and then you quickly quench it in some oil and uh, bring it down to, uh, to whatever, and then uh, cool it down to room temperature, reheat it back up, same process, do that three times. Um, that's, that's, called triple quenching now does in your opinion does that make any difference in the knife you don't have to answer that is that is a uh that is a very tough question and i'm going to give you the real simple answer to it okay what's simple i think if you're good at heat treating if you do it exactly correct Uh uh-huh it probably will help why? But the, well, I would say probably molecularly, it makes. Uh, but, but molecularly, it, it, to me, when you heat it back up to critical temperature, you're you're hitting the reset button, and it's just like you're resetting it three times. I mean, I I can see that I can see that. Well, after yeah, but you I think when you re- <clears throat> yeah, but when you hit the reset, you don't really hit the reset button. You do you do kind of sorta, uh-huh. but you don't really. Because you've already put things in a certain spot, uh-huh. and so you're basically starting from that spot and okay, and changing it again. Okay. Now, without an electron microscope, I'm not sure you really know. Okay. Okay, but um, and Tim would be probably a way better give you a way better answer than this. But all I can say is this: if you do it right, it may make a difference. Okay. If you do it right, you probably won't hurt anything. Okay. Well, yeah. If you do it wrong, yeah. if you do it wrong, 
you can fuck it up. Right. If you do it and wrong then, three so, times, so it's you still have, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and if you do it wrong three times, it's going to fuck it up three times as bad. Yeah. And that's and I think that that's the that's the case. I think that that um. <sighs> You know, I think that there's enough information out there about heat treating that um, everybody just thinks that they can just do it. Yeah, and you can't. And and there, and I don't think you can. I think it it really is way more scientific than what a lot of guys give give it credit for. Yeah. When I first started playing in this realm, there was a lot of talk of virgin urine. And yeah, yeah, red-haired boy and all this stuff. All of that stuff. And and mystical magic, you know, on the light of the silvery moon and all that crap. Right. <clears throat> and it was way more, um, it was way more spiritual than it was technical. Mm-hmm. Today, a lot of that stuff has been dispelled. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's very difficult to find, well... Probably not. Not too difficult to find a, a, a virgin redhead boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, There's yeah. There's probably a lot of virgin redhead men. Because <laughs> what was it that Andrew Dice Clay said? What's that? Nobody wants a freckle on your schmeckle. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, they... Uh, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of good technical information out there that dispelled a lot of this this previous spiritual type stuff. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's kind of and, and I think a lot of a lot of bladesmiths still play in this realm that there is a personal touch that gets involved in that somewhere. That when a guy makes a knife and he he treats it himself and he goes through the process and you know, if the knife is meant to be used and it and it performs, I I think a lot of it they can say that it's a because they had a personal hand in it. You know, there's there's this there's a lot of magic that does happen. I think, uh-huh. uh, but it's magic because of the guy's technical abilities, not so much that he went to church yesterday and used baptismal water and as part of his quench. Yeah. Um, it's still fun to, it's still fun to talk like that. It's still fun to, well, and then it's a marketing thing too. It's like, well, I do, I'm not saying triple quenching is, but I'm saying like, if you say, well, I've quenched this in like virgin olive oil and it's like better because of this. Well, think about this for a second. Put this in perspective. You have guys that are smelting their own steel right now. Right. Is their steel any better than what Crucible makes? No. But it's the fact that they made it yeah. out of beach sand. Yeah, that's cool. You know, there's some, there's an element of that, you know. Why, why is it that we want to... One of the most common things that you hear all the time, a custom knife maker will hear, or not even a... Hey, I got this wood that I picked up in... Like... My buddy is coming back from from Africa. Is bringing some antlers and some wood and some stuff that he wants to put on knife handles. Yeah, you know, will I accommodate him? Sure, I will, because I because he's my friend. Yeah, and I'll I'll go out of my way to do something like that for him. Um, 
which the bastard was cutting some paracord, which is that other story. What's that knife, by the way? <laughs> What's that knife? That, that that's one of the prototypes for the for the um the for the new knife for the American Knife Company. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that looks he has, cool. He he has one of the prototypes that I made uh, uh, like two years ago. That when we were when we first started talking about what what it was we were trying to make. Uh, he got the he got actually got the second prototype, which is actually more in tune with what we wanted to make than okay. than what uh, the first one did. So the so the story of the paracord is a lot of people that know know me know that I have paracord pieces all over the place. I mean, literally, I have a couple rolls that I had gotten here and there, and then. Um, I have like little pieces of it, little hanks of it in my Jeep all over and in the ashtray, in the glove box, in the little spare underneath the back where the jack is. I've got, you know, rolls of it underneath the seat. I've got it all. I've got a piece on the table right here, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy, uh, Kathy just picked up, um, I had three pieces that are literally eight inches long, ten inches long, that... I had left on the on the kitchen counter the other day, and and I just forgot about them. It was, I just didn't roll them up and throw them in the drawer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Kathy picked them up and threw them in the garbage. Hmm. And I happened to throw something else in the garbage shortly after that. And I saw those three pieces of paracord in the in the waste can, and I picked them out. <laughs> picked them up and I rolled. And she and so so the thing is with Dave is Dave knows my feelings about paracord so he posted a picture of himself um on facebook he's in africa right now and one of the soldiers had a bunch of paracord that he was he he basically braided together and then was going to throw it in the fire pit yeah and uh so dave said can i can i have that he said i want to take a picture of something and send it to a buddy of mine so they p- took a picture of him with that knife, t- cutting it, mm-hmm. and the 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 bunch of stuff that followed afterwards was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But um, but it all stems from him him cutting paracord, and I go crazy every time I see it because he doesn't. He leaves the frayed ends. Oh yeah, he leaves yeah. the frayed end, and he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't I mean, care. It's, it's like when you have so much of it that you, it doesn't matter yeah. anymore. Um, I mean, he brought a box one time. Where the hell was it? Anyways, he had, he had a, like a, a box from from the riggers yeah. that they just throw like piles and piles and piles of paracord in it. Yeah. And it's just a box of big tangled mess. You know, some of them are 50 foot, some of them are 100 foot, some are a couple hundred feet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's like, I'm, I'm just taking this box and I'm throwing it away. And I was like, what are you doing that for? And he's like, well, because it's just, it, you know, every time I want a piece that I pull out a piece, it's all tangled. And I was like, well untangle it he's like are you kidding me hmm. so i worked with a bunch of guys when i was in iraq that took that started that they basically fucked up a whole spool of white paracord huh. and, I, and i was like it killed me to have to throw it away <laughs> and it ended up i had to throw it away but they were cutting it out they cut so much of it they screwed it up so bad that you couldn't even untangle it and find a clear end that's funny it was just a big rat's nest and so so yeah, that's my my paracord thing, the, and, the, and like I said, it's the it's the modern day, it's my modern, it's my duct tape. The the final thing I want to say about heat treating is that mm-hmm. there is no magic. 
uh, all of that is very well known and very well established science. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that those scientists don't hang out on knife forums. No. <laughs> well, no, and you know what? Listen, <clears throat> it's like anything else. In the day, that was um, it was important knowledge. Yeah. You were the one that had that knowledge, and the keeper of the knowledge was the one that succeeded. Yeah. You know, you think about the way the Masons built buildings back in the day. Yeah. That was a that was a secret. One point six to one, and all that. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a well guarded secret, so that they were the only ones that could do the work. Yeah. Um, knife making over the years has been that way. Uh-huh. Boat building was that way. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of stuff. A lot of the skilled trades were called skilled trades for a reason. Yeah. You know, you apprenticed. You did. You went through the motions, and you became a skilled maker. Yeah. And I, and I think that that a lot of the minutia, a lot of the quote unquote magic, came from people trying to say, you know what, it's my fucking business. Yeah. Not yours. Yeah. You know, this is how I make my living. Yeah. I don't want you competing with me. Right. You know, so so there is a there's that element that has always been in play there, mm-hmm. and and um, I'm I'm sure that the guys that were saying that you needed urine from a virgin redhead did not really believe. No, they just needed- they just didn't want to tell you what it was. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to tell you the secret. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, so anyway, the reason I brought that up is, um, and I can cut this out if you want me to. Okay. Um, there's this guy uh, who's somewhat controversial, and uh, he's, um, as I understand it, had some problems on various uh, knife forums <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, has been banned from various knife forums and now currently has his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's uh, Cliff Stamp, basically. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, w- one of his videos came across as a suggestion on one of mine. And so I watched it, and it was about triple quenching. And he, there was this guy that w- is making these paring knives that I guess are just like the cat's ass. And uh, the guy made some claims, and he said, well, uh, I don't believe it. And so the guy sent him the knife along with the rope that he used to test the claims, and it turns out that the guy was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, he looked at the edge and the the edge was uh, two microns. He had a micro bevel of two microns on this thing, and and that's like insane. That's that's mm-hmm. insanely small. And it was a consistent edge all the way through. And then the other the other thing that the knife maker was claiming was making his knives sharper and better was that he triple quenched everything. And so that's that's why I wondered was it. Was it more the geometry, or was it the triple quenching? Is is my uh... well uh, the one of the things you got to remember is that the geometry is important, but if it doesn't, if it won't stay where the where you put it, yeah, then the, then it's no good because the first time you touch something, it'll screw it up. Yeah, but then but then if you <coughs> if you're so if you take knife A that has a two micron thick edge and it's fairly hard, and then you have knife B that has like 
whatever. You know, it's a factory knife, um, USA made factory knife that's like, you know, some guy just has a platen and a jig and he, and, and that's the edge on there. Mm-hmm. If you take, if you take a two micron edge and the other, the other knife, how many, I bet you you would get more cuts with the two micron knife through that rope and perform better with less force longer um, than you would with the factory knife because you're starting so much sharper and so much better mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. takes so much, I mean, even if, even if, even if that edge geometry degrades, its degraded form is going to be better than the the other one. Yeah. It, well, the, the way I would look at that. Yeah. I, I think the way you would have to test that would be to have two two knives that are exactly the same mm-hmm. geometry. And then triple and, quench and the, one and leave the one other one. One and not the other. Yeah. yeah. One, single quench. See, I think, I mean, I think that there's a lot to be said about that, about the triple quenching, because I think that there is... Um, and I don't have a I don't have an electron microscope, uh-huh. and there's a lot of variables that go into play there. And and one of the things that I I keep falling back to is if you screw it up, uh huh, you screw it up three times. <clears throat> yeah, you know if you don't get it right, if you're burning off carbon, if you're doing something else, you know if you're if you're not hitting your temperatures, your critical temperatures and your times exactly right, you know there's a good chance that you're making it worse. Uh huh. Um, but I think that if you, I think if you're arranging things a certain way and you, and you triple quench it, I think you get, I think you get a more refined heat treat you get a more refined crystalline pattern if you do it three times correctly. Mm -hmm. But I think the correctly part is the most critical part. Yeah. And that's probably, you know, if you if you heat treat it once and do a good job and you heat treat it poorly three times, it's not going to make it better. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and any one of those times in that process could screw it up. I have to speaking I I just remembered I have to issue a correction. Um uh when we were talking about sharpening um convex edges for the guy uh who asked about the he asked about the uh drop point hunter that Bark River makes. Mm-hmm. Um he he asked uh how to sharpen it and I just in passing said I don't do it this way, but this is a described method. Um I brought up the sandpaper and mouse pad. Oh yeah, didn't I say something to you about well, you that? Well you said you said absolutely not. And and that's again I knew that, but I don't think I made it clear enough. I don't do it that way, but that is a described technique, and I didn't. I guess I didn't come out strongly enough against that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. The other thing, the other correction I need to issue is um, on uh, when I was talking about the steels. Uh, apparently, they make fluted steels, which I have never heard of before. I've only ever used a steel that's like a steel like a flat mm-hmm. but apparently they're making fluted ones and they made fluted ones what's that they ma- they made fluted ones i've got i've got one from the 30s that's fluted well uh mike says do not use a fluted steel on a good knife it'll ruin the edge yeah okay so I, I i i didn't <laughs> say that because i i didn't know there was such a thing as a fluted steel i only have like a steel 
Yeah. Um, well, any don't you have a steel that's got little lines in it? Oh, I I probably have one in a box in the garage or something, but that's not the one that I use. I think I okay. Okay, hold that. Hold your thought for one second. I'm gonna run and see if I if mine's in the drawer right here. Hang okay. On. I don't have one here in my kitchen because I don't use one. Yeah. Um, but they're uh, what they are. They're they're, they're real fine lines in the in the steel that are. They look like almost like a file, but they're straight line. Okay. And and they have they have, it gives it a texture. Okay. And what that does is on a on a carbon steel blade that has a lower Rockwell. That actually pulls that edge back straight. Okay. The the okay. steels that I've used are just like a straight bar of steel, like with no <laughs> monkey business on it. Huh. I don't think I've ever seen one like that, hmm. to be honest. Well, at, at any rate, um, it, here's my argument for the steels, right? If I, I don't have any, like, high-end kitchen knives, right? I don't have, like, an S30VN, like... Or uh, some crazy like ninja steel knives in my kitchen. I have like you know decent knives, but they're not like super high end, and the steel isn't super hard. Okay, so if and I use I we cook every single meal <coughs> at home. We mm-hmm. we eat out maybe once a month. Okay, so those knives get and and I cook. I don't I don't open up a box of hamburger helper. Okay, I start with like vegetables, I start with big chunks of meat, and we go from there. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, I don't cook out of a box. Everything comes from the raw ingredients and gets turned into food. So I use a knife a lot. And with the kitchen knives that I'm using, every once in a while, I will have to go and hit, hit them on a stone or, you know, on a, a grinder or something. Um, but uh, and, and then right when they come off of there, they're like extremely sharp, like crazy nins are sharp. But, uh, you know, you use them for a while and then uh, and then there you, you get to the point where you want them a little bit sharper. Now, at that point, I can go back to the stone and spend um, 15 minutes or whatever, bringing it back to that perfect edge. Or I can spend two seconds um, with a steel. And then it's it's uh, sharp again, right? And uh, in my mind, it's more if I and it gets to the point where it's sharp enough. It's not it do, for the kitchen. It doesn't have to be like some shaving sharp, you know, perfect edge. You know, it gets to the point where it's sharp enough, and it took me two seconds. And I can do that probably a dozen times before I need to go back to the stone. You know, that's that's my what argument. Kind of, what kind of knife it is that you're using? 
Uh, I've got some Henkels, right? Um, but they're not like the, they're not like super duper like ninja Henkels. They're like, my favorite one is actually from Walmart. It's like, yeah, a Henkel. I would say it's a Chinese, it's a Chinese Henkel. Right. And like the, the thing I like about it is it's real thin and, uh, it takes a real good edge that lasts a while, but then you can, you can, rather than spending 15 minutes bringing it back to sharp in the middle of cooking, um, I can just run a steel on it and then get back to work. And then okay. I do that a dozen times before I have to go back to reestablish the edge. And, and it's, so this is, so this is basically what's happened. What, what, what's happening when you sharpen it originally, you thin the edge. Right. Okay. And as you're cutting, that edge rolls over. Right. The one side or the other. Roll. Yeah. And, and what you're doing is you're pulling that edge back straight with the steel again. Right. Okay. You can only do that a couple times before you break it off. You, I, I get a, I get a, I want to say up to, up to 10 uses where it's sharp enough that I, I am, right. I, I'm happy but, to use it. It's sharp enough. But what'll, what'll eventually happen is because you're going to move, you're moving that back and forth. Yeah. That edge will eventually fall off. Yeah, you get you get a little ding in there, but then that's when you go to the stone. Rather right. than every like if I'm if I'm chopping up like a big thing of carrots and celery and all this and I'm in the middle of it, do I want to stop and add 15 minutes to the cooking time taking it back to the stone and then come back or do I just want to go and then right. and then spend that 15 minutes when I have the right. 15 minutes allotted. Right. But all I'm saying is that you're what you're doing is you're pulling that edge back straight again. Yeah, that's all. That's that's right. what you're doing. Well, if you if you take one of my kitchen knives and did that, you would break the edge off. You have a lot better kitchen knives than I do. And that's and that's what I'm saying is yeah. that if you are going to do that, you better be using something that's not an expensive knife. That's something that does not have a an extremely hard edge on it to start with. Right. Because when you touch that to some of the, you know, whether it's a, some of the Jap, and when I say Japanese made, I'm talking about a traditional looking, uh, European style chef's knife that's made in Japan. Yeah. With, that's a laminated blade. With, and like with super, a laminated blade. Yeah. Uh, Hattori makes some phenomenal knives. Yeah. Um, uh, and <clears throat> if you do that with one of those kind of knives, you will break the edge off and you will ruin the knife. Yeah. That's and that's what I'm saying is that when yeah. you if you're using one of those you better be careful on what you're using it on. Yeah. If you if you go out and buy a a, a Hitori a chef's knife, you know, a, a, a an 11 inch chef's knife and you put it on one of those steels, you are going to bung it up. Yeah. If you go and buy a Chicago cutlery, a Dexter Harrington or Dexter Russell, any of those other carbon steel or a, or a, and a, I don't want to say a lower end style knife, but if it, it's less money, uh-huh. they're considerably less money than I mean, knives. Some kitchen knives are probably three, four hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, if you if you go to Gordon Food Service or Cisco or one of these companies where you can actually walk in and buy a, a, a Forstner or a or a, 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 a Dexter Russell or Dexter Harrington, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Russell Harrington, Dexter Russell. Anyway. One of those style kitchen knives that is made for a commercial kitchen, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a you're going to have a piece of steel that is nowhere near as hard, right? As as the high end Hinkles or some of the high end uh, 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 cutlery 
that you buy in a in a in a good store. Right. Um and so you can get you can get away with that. Yeah. And that's all I was saying was Right. But and if you if you take that if you take the, one of my kitchen knives and do that, you're done. Yeah. Um and even even Mike's um Bark River made a line of kitchen knives uh-huh. that are extremely extremely good. Yeah. And and if you get a chance, you should make a kitchen knife up there because what you get what you do is is uh, uh, you take the blank mm-hmm. and and you're making it a convex grind. Yeah. <clears throat> and so the, all of the issues that you have with halfway through having to straighten your edge back up, mm-hmm. you don't get that because you, because the edge is is much better supported than most kitchen knives are. Right, but you're not you're not using that for for cutting carrots all the time and shit. Well, I use mine all the time. Okay. I use my knives all the time. Yeah. Well, what it, do you think they just hang on the wall? No, but but no. At at any rate, my I, I guess I just wanted to clarify what what I'm talking about when I talk about using a steel. That's right. I, I'm talking. I'm not talking about using <laughs> it on your thousand dollar Japanese right. and, chef. And knife. the other thing too. The other thing too is people have to remember when they're using when they're using kitchen knives. In my kitchen, and I'm not a chef. Mm-hmm. I cook a lot. I, I like to cook. I'm not great at it, but I love to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I what I make is usually fairly edible. It's not, but the but it's usually not fancy. You know, I don't have I don't I'm not into the fancy presentations or that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but I am a halfway decent cook. I have knives that are made for cutting vegetables. I have knives that are made for cutting meat. Right. Just like I have knives that are made to open up oysters, uh-huh. and they're not the same. Right. Um, and I won't use a, a, a meat knife on um, on vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, it just I, I don't do that. But enough of that. We beat that to death. Um, it's kind of funny because I'm seeing a lot of tracker knives showing up on my Facebook page. Oh, that really? people are that people are are have made. Oh, cool. Well, right, he's been outside for quite a while. Let's see if he can sit quietly until we're done with this podcast, which is going to be very soon. I gotta get I gotta get skedaddling here in a minute. Um, yeah, but you know, I the people that have those super duper high end knives like that, I wonder if. I wonder if um, when they use them, they they bring it out like you do for like a real specific thing, and they're going to have more than one knife. Well, you know, no, well, you see in the knives I have in my kitchen. Yeah, they're they're good knives. Yeah, I have. I, I don't have. Um, uh, when I everybody should have knives for specific tasks. Uh-huh. You are going to be happier if you have a knife that's made to slice beef loin for slicing beef loin than you would if you use your carrot knife on it. Yeah. You know, you don't use a paring knife to to uh to to uh to 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 do that, to take yeah. apart a loin. Um and I think that that's the I think that's the I mean, I I have basically I have meat knives and I have vegetable knives. Right. And they're not the, and and they're not related. The edge yeah. geometries are going to be different. The um, it's like it's like a, um, <clears throat> a a lot of sushi knives apparently are stainless steel 
so that you don't leave an iron taste in the fish. Yeah. Because some of the fish are very delicate. Now, I'm not a sushi chef, so I don't know. I mean, when you come up here, we're gonna. I got a great sushi place to go to now. Okay. And and uh, the, the guy has some. He ha- you can tell it's a good shop because he's got really good knives, custom yeah. knives on the wall that he uses. Um, but apparently, there's there's different knives that they use for different things because they do not want to some of the delicate food, the delicate fish. They don't want to leave a iron taste in it. Yeah. And if you use a high carbon steel blade like you would for butchering a cow yeah and you use it on fish you're going to leave iron taste in the fish okay now i i will say that i have multiple different kitchen knives that are for different um tasks but none of them are high end yeah you know so basically what i'm getting at is the knife that i'm using to chop a bunch of freaking carrots up is a is a like 30 dollar henkel that i bought at walmart um, but it's fantastic. Now do, and I use it every, every day. Like I said, we cook everything. Now do mm-hmm. I want to use a thousand dollar knife for that task every single day and then have to go to the trouble of resharpening it and establishing well, this crazy edge and like, <laughs> dude, you're missing the point. No, I, I get the point, but the, what the I'm point saying is, is, is the like, point is that you don't have to. Right. But, but then, so when do you get out your thousand dollar vegetable knife? Every fucking time I cook. Yeah, you don't cook near as much as I do. Not even close. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Dude, but then, but I'm then, not a plastic surgeon. But then I don't what's, fuck to eat every night. But then what's... Well, I don't go out but once a month because I got little T-Rex arms that won't reach my wallet. Exactly. Um, but, the, but the thing is... Um, my thing is is it's a time, time versus benefit. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what it is. If you have a if you have a sharp knife that starts out sharp and it finishes the sharp through the you know through fifteen meals, you're good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when, and I, and I don't have any thousand dollar knives, but I have a plenty of three hundred dollar knives. Yeah, and I, I'm and not uh, <laughs> and what they and what the difference is is that halfway through the process, you don't have to stop. Well, and then here's the thing. Then, <laughs> you know, it's then, interesting. Then what I had, happens I had a is your wife grabs the knife. And and fucks it up, and then runs it through the dishwasher. Now no, what are you no, going to no. do? No, she she knows better than uh, that. Or somebody my else wife, comes over to your knows. house and uses your awesome kitchen knives. You, like say your mother-in-law, <coughs> and she drops it on the floor. She uses it to like hammer on something, and it's fucked yeah. up. Now what are you going to do? You know. So yeah. that's the take thing. Take it up to take it up to Bark River and fix it. <laughs> yeah. Take it to my grinder and fix it. But the point is. That if you take care of your shit, I mean, it's no different than a good gun. Yeah. You know, it's like, here's here's my comparison for this. And we can talk about this at a later date. I've worked with guys that will buy a fucking Firestorm pistol. I don't know what that because is. Because it, well, it's a cheap gun. Okay. Oh, it's, it's scuba diving. Okay. I've worked with guys that will buy a, a regulator because it's $100 cheaper than the regulator that I'm using, which I, for people out there, I dive with a Poseidon exclusively. That's the only regulator that I've had in my mouth for the past 30 years was a Poseidon regulator. Uh-huh. Anything else is junk. Everything else is $100 cheaper, at least. Yeah. And, and, and I'll stand here and say, 
what is your life worth? Well, right. Yeah. You're going, you're going, you're going to go diving in some really shitty conditions and you're going to trust your a hundred dollars. Doesn't make any difference to you. Yeah. A $200 on a handgun over a freaking lifetime. Isn't going to, is going to make a difference. I mean, I don't have any of my handguns blowing up in front of me. Yeah, well, because you know, I have good stuff. If you if you and look at my gun collection, and if I was going to scuba dive, I'd buy the best absolutely possible. But for, for me, sure. for kitchen knives, for shit that's going to be used by a nine year old or by some p- random people that come over to your house, I, it, it's just I, I've made a cost benefit analysis. I and eventually I'll get a real nice kitchen knife, but it's going to be locked away, and it's going to come out for special things, you know. And, yeah, see, and I totally I look, agree I look with at you it different. The- if, if I have, and, and here, this is one of the things that I do. Somebody comes to my house and is cooking with me that's not familiar with a good knife. I'll talk to them about it a little bit and say, hey, look, my knives are, are good knives. And most people know who come here know me. I mean, it's pretty freaking obvious when you walk in my house and there's 10 million knives every direction you look. Yeah. That I, there's something about knives in me, and they, hey, hey, what the fuck's with all the knives here? What's going on? You know, and, and then I, it gives you an in to say, well, look, let me introduce you to the, the world of great cutlery. Yeah. This is the difference between, and I'll reach in the drawer and I'll pull out some shitbag knife, between this knife and this knife. See this? This this is, and, and point out the features of the two, and you give them a little life lesson, and then before too long, I get a phone call that says, hey, uh, I'm thinking about one of those knives, one of the knives that you that I used while I was at your house, or I saw that when I was at your house. Um, I, I really think I should be getting something like that. Yeah. Wh- which direction do I go? Yeah. And I say, hey, you know, you can go to so and so, or you can go to this guy or that guy, or you know, and and uh, and and that's the way I look at it. It's it's a it ends up being a quality thing. I mean, it's yeah. uh it's it's no different than quality clothes. It's no different than the quality watch I put. The, the good cigars, the good scotch, a good you know, when you're when you're a quality person, quality goes across the board. Yeah. I don't I don't consider that any different than, you know, I'm gonna buy a cheap sofa because we're gonna sit on it and fuck it up. Yeah. I'm just I'm just not at that point with my kitchen knives yet. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not gonna convince me right now. No, I, when I when I don't have a four year old, a five year old and a nine year old running around raising hell in my house, maybe. Now, do I have Waterford Crystal? Yeah, I do. Do I put it out so that they can put milk in it and drink out of it? Hell nah. Because no amount of education, no amount of talking to, no amount of explaining is gonna, is gonna prevent them from dropping that shit on the ground and fucking it up. And I'm in the middle of it, (laughs) maybe someday. (laughs) Maybe when I don't have any more kids at home, then I'll, then I'll have some really nice, uh, really nice knives like that and just use those. But I, I do have your, nice you, knives and, and you need to get your kids in line. <laughs> Again, it's a, it's a risk benefit and reward benefit analysis with me. It's like, how much time do I want to spend yelling at my kids and is it oh, worth it to me? I had this conversation with somebody the other day about yelling with your kids. I said, I said, I was relentless with my kids were being raised. I was absolutely relentless. I never, I never, ever gave in when it came to doing the right thing about, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that or you want the house warm. You have to put, you have to carry in wood. You have to stack wood. You have to do this. You have to do that. And uh, 
I was talking to someone the other day about it, and they were, they were saying, how did you, you know, you're so lucky that you have good kids. I was like, luck had nothing to fucking do with it. Yeah. It was a lot of goddamn work. <laughs> yeah, my, my kids are very well behaved. It's just there are certain, there, for me, I do, oh, you I haven't do, started yet. I do not like, <laughs> I do not like yelling at my kids. And no. I don't, I do not like to have to discipline them. And that's something, that's a situation that I can avoid before it starts. Yeah. And, well, and that's, your that's oldest is nine. What's that? Your oldest is nine. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about seven years from now. Understood. But, <laughs> but the, yeah, again, I'm not going to, the thing is, is I can afford a Mercedes. I drive a Ford Focus. I could afford to buy her a Mercedes when she turns 16. What am I going to buy her? She's going to have my used Ford Focus <clears throat> because right about then <laughs> it'll be ready for me to get a new hoopty. Yeah. You know, it's, well, it, it's, it, why, why create a situation when there doesn't have to be one, you know? And I have a workaround for the kitchen knives thing. Um, but anyway, hey, I wanted to show you a, a feature of this Marlin, uh, Marlin spike. You cannot close it, um, yeah. unless, unless you do this. Isn't that cool? Like, you didn't know that? I didn't, I, I didn't know that before I had one. I'd never, I'd never owned a Marlin spike yeah. before. Yep, yep. That's so you don't smush it on your finger. Yeah, when you're putting torque on it with... Uh, I, you know what's funny? Hmm. I use the hell out of that knife. Do you use the spike I, part of it? Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, what the hell was I doing something the other day? I was un- I was tying knots in something. Uh-huh. And I was using it to, to um, what the hell was I doing? Oh, I know what I was doing. I made I made a, a dog leash for... I haven't decided who I'm going to give it to. Either I'm going to give it to my daughter or I'm going to give it to my wife. Uh-huh. To lug one of my dogs around, but it's a big pink um, braided, um, big long braided thing, and I even braided the handle. Oh, cool! <clears throat> and um, I was using that to to uh, poke in the, you know, making the little knots. Cool. Yeah. Every time I would make a mistake, I would use that to undo oh, it. Uh, undo it. Yeah. <laughs> I when I was uh when I was in San Diego last fall, I went aboard this ship and they had like every knot you can think of and like what it's called and all this stuff and the oh, guy yeah. that made the display is the guy that did the Ashley book of knots. Yeah. And so I bought this uh big thing of hemp rope cuz I want to like weave this like doormat, but I just haven't had time to do it. Um if you um now the Coast Guard had for a long time where the the guys at the stations would do fancy work all over their boats. The old yeah. navy boats. Mm-hmm. They did fancy work on a lot of the boats. Mm-hmm. The Coast Guard came down with an edict about ten years ago and they made them cut all of that stuff off all their boats. That's lame. <clears throat> and so you had like rails that would go up from down below mm-hmm. and and um they had they would on the handrails they would put fancy work on all the handrails all the way up, yeah. And they were beautiful. They were yeah. very decorative and they were very functional. Yep. Uh, and they made them take uh, cut all that shit off of there. Yeah. If if you want to see an example of that and you're anywhere near San Diego, go to the Star of India. Yeah. Um. They that's that's the way that boat is made up. Every rail, everything has like beautiful knot work on it. Yep. Um. Yep. And and so. Uh, I was, and they've got these great doormats in there um, mm-hmm. that are, you know, 
made out of rope and stuff. And eventually, I'm going to do that. Um, but I just if you notice, it, and you'll notice this this weekend on a lot of my axes uh-huh. and a lot of my tomahawks and some of my knives actually have a um. I think I think it's called a Turk's head knot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. On the bottom, on the bottom. Yeah. And most of my axes have that. Yeah. On the on the bottom of the handle. Mm-hmm. But if you if you want to if anybody at home is listening and wants to kind of get into that and see how to tie just basically every knot that was ever tied on board of a ship, ever get the uh, Ashley Book of Knots. I've got and that's, that. Hence, that's why I have all this paracord all over the place. All the time. <laughs> you're, you, you're you're playing around with that a lot more than I am, but yeah, um, eventually yeah, I I'd like to do that more than I do now. Well, you know what it is. I think what in the evening when I'm not, you know, if I'm not uh, sitting there talking with my wife or she's enthralled in some TV show that I don't want to watch, um, I will do stuff like this. Yeah, around. Well, I, you know, I, I do I do other stuff. I, yeah. I, I, I've, I've got so many darn projects going, it's not even funny. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you got anything else? No, probably not until uh, I rem- until we hang up. I'll probably remember something, but we can always do that next time. Yeah. Hey, listen, this weekend um, we're gonna do it. Uh, we're gonna try to get Mike on the podcast if he has time. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Lon Humphrey. If, uh-huh. if we can't all sit down together, I'm bringing up my little digital recorder. And okay, I'll bring my, I'll bring this. Yeah, well, you I'll, you can you can bring that, but then um, you know it may be that we can't get everybody that we want to talk to in the same room at the same time. So I'm going to bring okay. my little digital recorder, and I'll I'll splice in um, little little mini interviews with people um, if they okay. can't if they can't be on the full version. Right. And then I'll splice that in. So hopefully this next, the next issue of the podcast is going to have a lot of interesting characters on it and people we've not had before. And so I, I'm going to really kind of be listening and trying to figure out, uh, who's neat to talk to because all kinds of interesting industry people show up at that. Same, same with PWIP in a month. Um, yep. We're, I'm going to bring my little recorder and anybody there who has anything to do with knives, um, we're going to try to corner them um, and, and get them, get them to talk. Okay. Very cool. To broaden our, broaden our world a little bit, maybe. Yeah. All right. Don't forget to, uh, um, do the thing on Facebook. Give us some stars. Oh, you mean on iTunes? <laughs> on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. On iTunes. I'm sorry. Yeah, give us some stars on iTunes. Yeah, because then we actually got a couple more. We got fifteen of them now. Yeah, that's nice. Got fifteen. We've got fifteen actually reviews. Oh no, it's fifteen ratings. Reviews. There's nine of them, and three of them are like really kind of mad at us. But oh well, you know they're entitled to their opinion. Um. Anyway, uh, you got anything else? No, I'm done for today. Me too. All right. I'm done for the day. What's your sign? We'll talk to you soon. Um, Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. And we'll see you next time. Like us on Facebook, knifejournal at podcast.com, podcast at knifejournal.com. Email us if you have any questions. Uh, Come to Knife Journal at the, uh, we have a forum site there. Um, And uh, we'll, 
we'll be putting one out again next week sometime. Yeah, after after I get back from the weekend. So. All righty, sir. Talk to you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye.